0: got to talk about this uh, new band and, and new album and Power Flow and curious to hear from you kind of how it all came together with Billy from Biohazard and Christian from Fear Factory. How'd you guys all get together for this killer album?
1: I started the project with Roy Lozano around 2015, early 2015 and, um, you know, we were just messing around you know, doing demos, you know what I mean? Just recording see what happened, what come up, what we come up with. You know, a couple songs came in and then I started thinking about this might be an actually cool band if we, you know, stuck through it. So after we got like three or four songs in, I started reaching out to like Billy and Christian and other people to see if, any, if there was any interest. And, you know, you guys were interested for sure.
0: Love it, man. Love the debut album and uh wanted to get you on a, a couple, kind of do little like uh, introductions for the songs themselves and hit you with a couple song titles and let me know what, you know, they're about lyrically and what you were thinking about, what inspired them. And I guess we'll start with the, the first one we got, Resistance.
1: Resistance. I wrote that song after, uh, man, how can I say? I was going through a, a part of my life I was having to work with, with someone that i uh, can I say was not fully appreciating who I was to the situation I kind of felt like my participation wasn't really fully appreciated and no matter what how much this particular entity tried to take over what I was doing I was going to not go with it no matter what was said to me and I had this kind of like rebellious attitude at that time when I was doing that song because of that situation I wrote a song one day you know it ended up being resistant and I kind of felt like I was feeling that day like and every now and then it's okay to get pissed off and to, you know put your middle finger in the air and be like no I'm not down with that and I think that's what the of that song is that you know no one could make you do what you don't want to do forget about it I'm gonna I'm gonna be mean if you don't like it then don't be around me and that's kind of the whole vibe resistance I was mad that day basically
0: <laughs> I like when you're angry <laughs> um how about where I stay
1: where I stay uh interesting song there because uh I had wrote both of those lyrics for a, a song for a biohazard album that didn't come out Ah, um, the album came out, but that song was not on it. When we got together, we made our unit, and Billy was in it. Billy's constantly the guy that's constantly trying to, you know, push the envelope, you know, try to get further and further along. So he's constantly messing with vocals that he has of mine and he remembered that song. Basically, that whole song that I did with him was one verse that I, I'd rapped on but Billy turned that one verse into a whole song and then he just needed me to like give him an idea of musically like what you feel this song is going and I was like, you know, L.A. feel all the way. So when you have a guy like Billy Graggiati in the band, he does weird things like that <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they work.
0: And hey, you got your own mad professor, so to speak.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so where I where I stay is basically what I wrote that verse it was about you know, where I stay, you know, right in the midst of the phrase south central Los Angeles, that's where I grew up at, you know, and that's what that verse was about because that's what that original song was about. so when we when we got down to do it, all I had to do was redo the vocals because they was from like you know a long time ago. I redid the vocals, you know with my today voice and and it came out jamming, and you know Billy put those real, real excellent breaks in there to give it those elements that I love about you know live music, like like punk elements and hardcore elements, and you know a bit of thrash in there and stuff like that. So you got all those elements in there you you know, I was in love with the song. I said, it's going on the album.
0: One more for you, uh, Victim of Circumstance. Victim of Circumstance.
1: That song I wrote, getting ready to write, and, you know, in my little makeshift studio garage uh, thing. I was watching TV that day before I started it. That show called The First 48 came on. I got to watch in the first 48. As a matter of fact, I watched maybe two episodes and then and then I wrote the song and that was on my mind because it was like, those episodes that I watched that day were more about the victims of violent crimes and unstable people and stuff like that. So I wrote that song kind of like from the victim's point of view like some guys aren't even involved in the actual crime but your friends ask you hey just drop me off here and that makes you part of the crime right you know because you helped them escape or something and that's where i wanted to come to from not from so much the guy that doing it but people that are by affected by you know violent acts of crime you know
0: that's killer that's, that's a different perspective that we don't always get to kind of hear about and think about the kind of that i'm not even supposed to be here
1: yeah exactly exactly and, and somehow you're caught in the mix i remember the episode that i watched that day was uh, a guy that attacked his own family members oh wow you know and then the whole, he, I mean, yeah, his brother and his brother's wife, and then he tried to stab the kids, and one of them lived, and that's how they found out who it was. You know, the grandmother was all tore up, you know, all the aunts, the whole city was just all tore up. You know, in that particular case, that whole city was a victim of that crime. Because yeah. it was so, just
0: so, you know, so gnarly, you know? Uh. Damn, brutal! I love it, man. I'm looking forward to hearing all these tunes live. You and Prong, what a great tour that is! It feels like it needs like a, a name for that tour, Rhyming and Killing, or something kind of cool with two Power Flow and Prong. But I guess kind of old friends, kind of reconnecting, like Billy and Christian with with Tommy, of course, from back in the day.
1: Yeah, yeah, we played uh, together. Well, we did Dime Bash this year. Power Flow performed, and Art from Prong. We got to you know play some uh, Pantera songs together. And he told me, like, you know, dude, we're gonna get at you guys. Man, we like, wanna go do some dates with you guys. And I'm like, dude, we're in- you know, just let us know when. And sure enough, they, you know, they called us back. And, and, you know, me being a big prong friend and all that stuff, it was like, oh, this is cool. Let's do that, you know?
0: Yeah, it's great. Friday, March 30th at the Slide Bar in downtown Fullerton. Have you ever played there before? You ever been there?
1: I've been there. Actually, I used to live in Fullerton for a few years. Oh, really? And uh, that was, Yeah, that was one of my spots I used to go drinking at on Saturday nights and stuff. But I've never performed there. So this is going to be my first time. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, man. It's going to be a killer show. And, uh, you know, Jeremy from Lit owns that bar.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeremy from yeah, I remember I, last time I was there, I did see him. So I'm looking forward to You know, it's a great venue and it's, it's going strong for many years now. So, you know, people are, are definitely, you know, wanting to play there. And I'm excited to play there.
0: Yeah, they're getting all kind of killer bands lately. Been, been promoting a lot of shows there. I think I saw a post from you recently on social media about Cypress Hill and maybe some activity.
1: With Cypress, yeah, man, we've been recording a lot the last, you know, two, three years. And we actually now we have two albums ready to go. We have one produced by DJ Mugs that we call the uh, Elephants on Acid. <laughs> And uh, and that one is, that one's in the can actually. And it's almost done being mastered. We we're talking to uh, certain people about uh, getting it out there. And it's a really, it's really heavy on the Cypress vibe. Of course. And then and we did another album with a kid named Black Milk from Detroit. And it's a really cool, you know, modern hip hop. And I look at it kind of like Cypress into the future kind of a thing. I don't hear the, the traditional Cypress sound on it. It kind of sounds more futuristic, like, you know, like that, that kind of vibe. It doesn't sound like anything that we've done in the past. It sounds really good. People that have heard it sound like whoa, you know, this is Cypress now, like, wow, this is incredible. So both albums have their own character and identities, and they're both very powerful. So, But I think um, we're, what we want to do is get that, you know, Elephants on Asset album out first later on this year, hopefully by around September, August, September, things will be ready to go. And then we want to tour it and uh, let people hear this new stuff, because there's some very, very interesting sounds on there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's ska elements in there. Of course, it's, you know, with a good boom-bap hip-hop beat. But, you know, Cypress has never been Cypress the same on any album, so... <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's Cypress Hill, but it's not the Cypress Hill you're used to. It's, it's new Cypress with mugs, and, and I think it's Cypress. Now it's current. It's not like, you know, we're relying on Insane in the Brain or anything going <laughs> out like that or hand on the pump to redo those songs and make it sound like today. It's all just this clever new, you know, head trip that's good to smoke bud to and just chill out and zone out and listen to hip-hop, you know?
0: Cool, man. I can't wait to hear that. And, and speaking of kind of being futuristic, something that you've had your hand on and wanted, wanted to go back in time for a second when it was kind of futuristic back in the day. But I'm I'm a big guy. I always complain on the radio, like, where have all the killer soundtracks gone? You know, they, I always thought it was such a great marriage, movies and music together. And and a lot of times I talk to different bands like yourself and stuff, and I hit them up and say, hey, what's your favorite soundtrack? And a lot of them point back to one that you were on. And I, I got to hear how it all kind of came together, because it was a futuristic soundtrack at the time. Talking about the Judgment Night soundtrack.
1: Yeah, the Judgment Night, man. Wow, what a what a move that was, man. I mean, it really opened doors for a lot of bands and styles that, you know, emerged. But I remember we were with our management at the time, uh, had this this idea they wanted to get um us with a, on a song with Pro Jam. Yeah. Um and we were like, Yeah, let's let's walk with the guys. We've been on the road with them and we all got along great. So we're like, Yeah, let's do a song, you know. That was the original concept they gave to me. When we got down to recording the actual song, I heard other bands and hip hop guys were getting together recording for the same purpose and it went from just a song to it's gonna be a soundtrack for a movie. I was like, Cool, all right, well, what do we gotta do. So we went in the recorded with Pro Jam and then we did this other song with Sonic Youth. Yeah. And then ar- around it all kind of heads were participated. Participating, like Ice-T, Administrator, I don't remember everybody that was in it, but it was really, really the strong movement and I think that opened the doors for what will become, you know, rap metal, the, the genre that was that important to, you know, to what was going on in those days. And I've always felt that hip-hop and, and metal and rap and rock, it all married well. Yeah. You know, because we all come from the same kind of like beginnings as far as like, you know, rock and roll, people were saying we'll never last and said the same thing about hip-hop. They're all <laughs> this stuff, and, you know, it we'll won't hang around and here we are, you know, 45 years later, we're still Conference. Yeah. That's the same beginnings that rock and roll went through in the 50s when people were dogging it. Right. And it's the same spirit kind of a deal, you know, like you're not going to tell me when I'm going to go away, (laughs) you know. So I always felt like the two, you know, the bands and a a good solid rapper on some real crunchy rock riffs with some banging beats, you know, drums on it. I just loved the way it sounded all the time, you know, from the first time I heard it from like Run DMC. Right. I was like, wow, this is the way of the future. And and look, we're still doing it now, and it's still a pretty good uh, genre of bands out there doing it to get you you know the support so you could ever sleep on, on the hip hop guys we're multi-talented
0: <laughs> you're all rock superstars one other old one I wanted to hit you on that I just read about and I thought was super cool you went to high school with Dave Lombardo
1: yeah I did I actually did in, in Southgate California you know, we both attended Southgate High School there like uh, from ninth grade on was he and, like um,
0: banging on desks and everything you know playing playing drum beats on the desk the whole time in class and everything yeah he actually was
1: I, I had a in 10th grade I think I had a class with him a science class and he's the first one that got me into like metal because his band Slayer was already together at that point and they were doing local shows and one day they were going to play the quad area at lunchtime there at Southgate High School and he invited me he's like dude come down and see my band play so I was like okay I'll go see it I've never I was a fan of music I wasn't a musician I was a, I was playing football at the time nice. and I went down there and I, I saw those guys play I didn't know what it was about that form but I liked it <laughs> and then from that point on I started like searching out like metal bands <laughs> we were young we were like into like me and my friends were like into like Motley crews and stuff like that because they were like the metalist thing at the time. Right. You know, so but that was my first experience with, with heavy music was through Dave and um, I remember uh, like right out of high school, his band was signed and, and uh, his girlfriend at the time lived on my street on Cypress Avenue in Southgate. So in between tours, when he'd come see her, he'd come down and hear us like freestyle in front of my mom's house and I think really he wanted to get high with us but <laughs> um, <laughs> but he would tell us like, hey man you guys sound good, keep it up, keep it up. And we we're like, man, the Deep Blue Slayers, you know, they're signed to death camp. You know, he's telling them, we sound good. So it was like motivation for us to keep going. You know, when someone signed, just telling you guys are starting all right, like keep it up, you know?
0: Yeah, especially being in that Rick Rubin family. You know, he had run DMC right there and all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so Knowing Dave was like kind of like a very a very instrumental piece of, of me getting into music and, and then exploring for myself to see what I wanted to do with it. I was always like a fan of metal. I, I just consider myself a rapper, like this is what I do. Right. And then the Judgment Night soundtrack kind of gave me the idea of like to get Cypress Hill to do some rock stuff. And it took a few years, <laughs> but eventually <laughs> we did it and it worked. Rock Superstar, yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so we came out with that and that was cool. But you know, it it all goes back to the the foundation of from when I met Dave and and seeing those guys play, and then seeing them play like after that, like around our area, backyard parties and halls that those guys would jam at, and you know we would go show up and drink beer, and you know they would play. And then next thing you know, man, they're on tour. It was wild. It was, you know, to say, like, I went to school was one of the dudes from Slayer, and Slayer, being who they are, is like, you know, it's like, wow, how, how many kids could had that opportunity, you know?
0: Like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, obviously, Dave, not a part of the band anymore, but also wanted to get your thoughts on Slayer calling it a career and saying, you know, this is our farewell tour and everything. And do you think they'll stick with it?
1: <laughs> well, from what I've seen, uh, most people, most bands that call it a career eventually come back. This is true that they're calling it a career, a very impressive career. Career, um, at the top of their game, type of thing. I know they've had some changes in the lineup, but I think Slayer easily could go like another 20 years if they wanted to and, and continue to, you know, thrill audiences around the world. But I mean, for anybody that's never seen Slayer, I highly recommend that check out this tour because if it is true that they're not going to tour again, then you better check this out. You know, <laughs> Slayer's is one of those bands that have a, a special, you know, part in in, in my life and, and and my love for music because you know I seen them before they were signed. I have seen them get signed, and I seen them blow up, and, and wow, you know, one of those dudes is from the same town that I'm from. It's a very special part of my musical, you know, uh, history uh, that band Slayer. And and if they do decide to come back, I will be in line. If they didn't come back.
0: <laughs> hey, talking about your love for Slayer, and, and just for fun on the radio, pick 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 a Slayer song for for me. Right now, man, their OG song, one of my favorites, dude, "Raining Blood." Yeah, I can't go wrong with that tune. Hey, just a yeah. couple couple more for you, and I appreciate all the time. But uh, you know, with that whole calling it a career and doing the farewell tour is that something that you think you would do one day or, or are you kind of against doing the farewell tour and would just rather just kind of fade away
1: no I think when, it, when the time comes down to it I will probably announce it you know this is the last or whatever you know but uh, as far as myself and be real are concerned there's no end in the foreseeable future <laughs> we still love going hard man we still love you know representing our, our block our city our band and the longer we go the more of an appreciation value. Is. Is it developing, you know, that I could see from the touring, you know, with Cypress Hill? So I was like, wow, you know, we still hit the spots in Europe. And I mean, we haven't had an album out in a few years. And you know, we still sell out venues and, you know, people come to see us play in festivals. It's incredible, this whole run we've had. And I think that we owe it to the people to not stop. <laughs> because every time that we set up shop, they come and support us. So at my age right now, I feel great and I'm not stopping nothing. I'm going.
0: Love to hear yeah. that. Hey, you think you'll ever put out a book? That's been uh, in my mind
1: lately, yeah. We've been definitely talking, I mean, not just a uh, Cypress Hill book, but individually. Uh, we all came up through different interesting little parts and crevices of life, you know, to become to where we're at. But yeah, we've definitely talked about uh, a Cypress Hill book and maybe even like a docu movie, you know, nothing like the straight out of content thing or you got to go to the <laughs> theater for, right. you know what I mean? None right. of that, none of that. We're talking like actual docu movie with like in depth real interviews and stuff like that. Something like, you know, maybe like Led Zeppelin or like Black Sabbath or like Eric Clapton would have done or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anybody that in the world that could actually portray me in a movie and be that complete ass that I was in the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> you never going to say that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we definitely talked about a book and a movie, and these are things that we're continuing to talk about um, with our management, and we're going to see that through, but we feel like our legacy is still unfolding. It's not done yet. There's still more chapters that need to be included. When we do come out with a book or a movie, it's going to be a lot, a lot of stuff to it, So, and there's a lot of history there, so it'll be definitely, if you're into Cypher Hill, you're definitely a Love some of the stuff that we're talking about portraying you know putting out there people could know about you know
0: yeah no I love it and, and I look forward to it for sure just wanted to get you on one last thing it's been driving me crazy are you one of those guys that remembers every show or, or maybe blazing it up too much and, and only kind of remember ones here and there I figure you're either one way or the other everyone kind of is
1: no I don't remember every show <laughs> but, I mean through the 1990s I was you know self-medicating a lot with alcohol I mean and, and bud and maybe some like mushrooms and stuff but I used to think that I was really good on stage, completely just gone. <laughs> and then one day I got over that, and uh, <laughs> I like to perform sober now. Like maybe like a little bit of champagne or a beer, but I'm not trying to be like, well, I don't remember it. I went to a lot of places, a lot of cool things, and I don't remember them, and that's a shame. So <laughs> now I like to experience. I, I like to see the crowd, how they're reacting to things, and just to enjoy everything and remember everything. So you're telling me that one show we did where we burned the, the conga drums on the stage and all like, that, we did that? Like, yes. <laughs> We started a fire out the stage like, yeah, I don't remember that. And I'm like, wow. Nowadays, yeah, I told, it's all about appreciating what I do and appreciating the people that come see us and appreciating how they react to us. And I wasn't getting that done by being drunk all the time. I appreciate it a lot more now. So that's how I perform now.
0: And I'm just as guilty, too, man. But I was trying to think, because I know you did a show, I think it was back in that, maybe the SX10 days. It was a show at Gotham in San Bernardino. Does that ring a bell at all? Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember. Yeah, it does. I, I think it was maybe with KMK or something, but I was trying. To remember because I, I remember you were doing, you know, metal then back then. And I think it might have been with the SX 10 and and like Cottonmouth Kings or something out at Gotham and Sam Burdue. Couldn't remember that one. I was hoping you could, but I remember watching you perform that night. And I think even Christian was playing with you back then too.
1: Yeah, with, with the SX 10 guys, you know, that was when my first, you know, when I had the the courage enough to, you know, get in an actual rock band and try it out. You know, those guys were very instrumental in, in my education of, of rock and roll and metal. They'd been doing it for years, so I hadn't learned what they were doing without SX 10. I don't know if I. I think I became more of a well-rounded musician after you know working with those guys, and I think they prepared me for you know the whole rock superstar thing. You know, even Powerflow and all that stuff. That you know, I I learned how to do Powerflow from you know working with those guys back then. I remember Cottonmouth Kings. We were on the same management, yeah. With Suburban Noise. So we were always together doing shows. That was a lot of fun shows back then. You know, we were really going for it, not fake about it. Like we were trying to do the best we can, go for it, and get noticed. And you know, what you dream about as a kid, getting your band out there and touring and trying to get people notice,
0: to notice you, you know? Yeah, no, it was a whole whole movement, you know, that Cottonmouth Kings and Suburban Noise. That was a, a movement and, and a culture and a place and time and history in those early 2000s, yeah. man. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, I'll see you out there, hopefully, at the show at the uh, slide bar.
1: Okay, cool, man. Yes, yes, yes. See you there, man. Let's wrap that
0: day. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay, Mike. Thank you, man. You too. Later. Okay, bye.